Welcome back, everyone, to the Shock Absorber podcast. It is wonderful to have you along with us. As usual, it's been a bit of a break, so I apologise for that. We had, uh, I was sick, and we had a week away, and then I was off on leave. Where'd so, you go on leave? Uh, a place called Kalala Beach, which is Ooh, in lovely. That's yeah, nice. It's in Jarvis Bay, but it's funny because we went Jarvis there. Jarvis or Jervis? I say Jarvis. Mm, you say Jervis? I don't know. I've just heard people get any, controversial uh, about it. Any jokes? Know, what do the locals call locals call it? Uh, I don't know actually because we didn't really talk to any locals mm. except the guy at an IGA once. Oh. He's like, "What are you going to do here?" We're like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, "What is there?" And he's like, "Well, you can go fishing near the jetty." She's talking to my wife. He's like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> She's like, I, I, "Has no interest in fishing whatsoever." <laughs> um, but we actually went there twice because we went there after week away. Yeah, and then. We came home on the Monday and then went back down there on the following oh. weekend for my wife's mum's birthday present. Oh, oh Just went to a different house. <laughs> <laughs> so we drove, I drove up and back there six times between the... There you go. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> welcome, welcome back to the podcast, Stu and Tim. How are Hello. you guys? Welcome. Really well. That's good. Uh, I'm glad you're wearing a beanie because again, we always say this is the coldest... Uh, corner of Soul Revival Church. It is. It's a bit of a bit of a fashion start to each of the episodes, isn't it? We like to. I, well, it's more my fault. No, I think it's interesting. Tim's yeah. actually wearing white. I yeah. am. I'm branching out. It's just a t-shirt on. Yeah. Branching out with purple and many it's other colours. Like yeah. Like, well, and th- for those who are on YouTube, this was I actually painted this painting myself. Did oh. you? Yeah. So one of our school school holiday activities was going to this art studio, where you learn a bit of colour theory, and then you put a canvas up on a wall, you're about a metre back and you throw paint at it and you that just kind of good. try and make uh, whatever design you want but out of splatter. And oh. they give you syringes and um, paintbrushes and all different types of instruments and you just kind of throw in paint around. Um, and then part of the package we got, you they then scan what you made and you could put on a T-shirt. So oh, wow. that's what I did. So this design is... Painted as myself. Really? There's a lot of mm. colour on one like side. It. Did you do that on purpose? Or well, it was just I a was bad aim? That was intentional. I was <laughs> I had in mind um, Van Gogh's Starry Night. And so I was trying mm. to as best as possible from a metre away paint uh, some sort of homage to Starry Night. Can you use paintball guns to do that? Uh, you could. They Ooh. were not available to us at okay. the time. I might do that one day. That'd be yeah. fun. Yep. It looks quite similar. Well, that was my, yeah, I mean, it, as I said, homage. 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 Is it a homage or a homage? Oh, yeah. so Jarvis, Jarvis. Call people about pronouncing uh. <laughs> in this podcast. Um, very good. Well, here we are. <laughs> uh, cultural artifact we decided upon, uh, we're talking about things like uh, tunnel vision and how Christians may only focus on only only discipleship. That's what I was going to say. Only discipleship and only mission. Sometimes, yeah, got to do mission and discipleship, not get tunnel vision and just do one. So maybe I said that word, discipleship kind of works. (laughs) 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 It's our new strategy. We have one strategy, discipleship. We could probably just keep that between us. (laughs) Or discipleition. Oh, discipleition. Or (laughs) discipleship. That's great. I like that. Discipleship. Sounds like a... Discipleship. Say yeah. it quicker, sounds better. <laughs> Discipleship. Yeah, have you heard about the new strategy of church planting? Discipleship. <laughs> okay. So for anyone who's still with us, what are we talking about today, John? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Can you tell we haven't recorded in a few weeks? <laughs> um, well, when you said tunnel vision, I thought of... Uh, I've referred to uh, this person way back at the start of the podcast was... Uh, Ayrton Senna, who is Hero of yours. one of my heroes. 
uh, or people, some people do say it's Ayet and Senna, um, and his full name is Ayet and Senna da Silva. Anyway, Brazilian Formula One driver. Uh, when I got into Formula One, when I was quite young, he was the like the the guy, um, and uh, I was always really uh, fascinated by his absolute dedication to his sport, but also um, how fast he was. He would always be just the fastest driver and always always take the most amount of risks and things like that. Anyway, there's a story from, I can't remember uh, if it's 1988 or 1989 when the, his car McLaren was the definitely the fastest on the grid by far. I was reading an article about it today, or yesterday, um, and that sometimes uh, the 1988 McLaren Formula One car was sometimes two seconds faster than the next wow. fastest car, which is in Formula One terms is a lot. incredible. Anyway, that was a lot down to the Honda engine that they had. Anyway, in qualifying of the Monaco Grand Prix in 1988 or 89, I can't remember, um, there was this time at, at that time of qualifying was just an hour long session. So you could just do as many laps as you wanted to try and get the fastest time. And um, there's a story that Senna just lap after lap after lap after lap just got faster and faster and faster and faster and he blew his teammate away by one and a half seconds Alain Prost who actually is a four-time world champion so he was no slouch um and uh the story goes that he just basically everything was automatic and he just got faster and faster and he reached this kind of flow state or whatever you want to call it he described it as touching the face of god i wouldn't agree with that but um he would have been dead it was a very like he describes it yeah that's right (laughs) but he describes it as a real spiritual experience he just absolutely complete focus of being able to complete this lap after lap and getting faster and faster and he he really wasn't really conscious of what he was doing that's how he described it anyway so that's what i thought of tunnel vision when when you talked about it but how does that how does that that like when i go up the road to go and buy some milk and then i buy some milk and i come home and i can't remember (laughs) anything that happened were you timing it (laughs) like how fast just muscle memory just went up there went (laughs) back thinking about the things i think it's i think it's really thinking like that like that yeah i think it's a um, a heightened version of that because there's a story of, uh, for example, Wayne Rooney, who scored a, a, a quite acrobatic bicycle kick, and he describes it as just automatic, yeah, rather yeah. than uh, yeah. like he consciously thought about it. And yeah. like I'm no exceptional football player, but I've had really small moments where I can think about I've done th- I've done something instinctive without even knowing that I've done it until after I've done it kind of thing. So maybe that's it's a heightened sense of that's it would continue for a much longer time yeah, with Senna, yeah. for example. But I thought that was. I always find that interesting because obviously sports stars are, have so much repetition that it's so automated that they can yeah, produce those moments of magic. Yep. Anyway. anyway, how does that relate to discipleship and or whatever we call it? Discipleship. <laughs> discipleship, yeah. <laughs> I like that one. Well, <laughs> there's a few ways you can look at it because we've said on the podcast before that discipleship and mission are really important. And we've talked about the fact that sometimes when people, and Tim, you've been saying this a bit, that when people talk about discipleship they assume mission as a part of that so discipling Mm. someone to be a stronger christian includes helping them to reach out to other people and being involved in mission so i think if i understand you correctly tim in your travels around sydney diocese where we we are in australia you can sometimes come across people who will say i've got this holistic view of discipleship that includes creating new disciples not creating but making new disciples as part of discipleship, I'm making new disciples too. So that's mission and discipleship. Um, 
But we're not really having an argument about whether you need to say that discipleship is mission and discipleship or you need to include the word discipleship and mission. Uh, it's not really about uh, that. But what, what we're talking about today is that you can sometimes focus so hard on one part of Christian ministry that you're neglecting other parts of Christian ministry. Mm. So, you know, even if in your head you're thinking discipleship is also including mission, you can be spending so much time uh, teaching Christians uh, that you can actually sometimes neglect mission. Actually making spend a lot of time doing discipleship and yep. not, not really reaching out to the surrounding community mm. of your church. So, you know, there might be an assumption that every time we open our doors as a church, we're inviting non-Christians to come and fellowship, well, come and be uh, listening to the Word of God. As we fellowship together as Christians, they can come and listen to the Word of God and uh, see what it's like uh, when Christians are fellowshipping. Uh, so there may be an assumption that non-Christians will walk through the door of a church, but what if they don't? What if they're not coming through the church? And what if that's the problem? Another problem could be you can just focus so much on mission all the time that you don't actually get to disciple the people that are becoming Christians. And so that is also a bit of tunnel vision. You can have tunnel vision in mission or tunnel vision in discipleship. Mm -hmm. And so today all we're doing is just having a bit of a lighthearted look at how do we as local church ministries or any ministry, like whether it be youth ministry, kids ministry, or even your own individual ministry as a Christian, how do you make sure that your... Uh, you're remembering to love Christian people by helping them to grow as disciples of Christ and together being on mission to people who aren't Christians so that mm. they can hear the message. So we thought today it might be just a simple way of doing it by looking at one of our terms, which is this term, and seeing two of the things that we're doing at the moment at Soul Revival and that might be fun to share with people. So we always like people to hear some of the ideas we've got so they can cherry pick our ideas. They can leave the bits they don't like and take the bits they do. We want to freely share anything we've thought of just as we've learnt a lot from other people who've shared their thoughts with us. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking about talking about our recent week away, which is a discipleship moment for our church and also the Colours of Life uh, relaunch this term that we're launching this term in next week actually. So we thought we'd, uh, yeah, well this podcast will come out um, on Wednesday, so this will be a good time. On by the time you hear this or watch this, we'll be launching Colors of Life the weekend, mm. which is our mission strategy or our evangelism strategy. Mm. And what we're going to be doing over the next two terms as a church is we're seeking to uh, one of our goals as a church. So we, we have discipleship and mission goals to help us not get tunnel vision. And one of our mission goals is to raise up individual evangelists so to equip God's people to help them to be evangelists uh, to their friends and their neighbours and their family and we also uh, as a church have discipleship goals one of which is to gather all the different churches at Soul Revival together once a year for a week away holiday which is also like a conference that we mm. go to uh, each year too so yeah discipleship and mission how do you do it at the same time? Mm. Um, uh, just a question before we kind of get into week away, Tim, maybe you can start on this one, is why do we focus on both, in a sense, in terms of Sorrow Why do we think that discipleship and mission at the same time is important? But also maybe in your experience, why do you think um, there might be a tendency to focus on just one? Yeah, so 
the the reason we focus on both is because Jesus calls us to. I think is the is <laughs> the simplest reason. And uh, classically, I mean, the the Great Commission, Matthew twenty eight, you know, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the mm. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them all, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded with you, um, commanded you. And so the the call there is that there are those who are outside the kingdom who need to be brought in. Um, and then those who are in need to grow in their knowledge, love and obedience to King Jesus. And so um, you, we want to be doing both. We want to see new people become Christians. Mm. And so that should be something that drives church ministry is looking around and saying, well, how many people here you know, a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago were not in Christ's kingdom and now are because of the ministry of the, the, the church and the individuals in the church? Um, and what are we doing now, this week, this next month, this next year, this next five years, in order to see those who are outside the kingdom become Christian, because yeah, the following Jesus is the the greatest adventure that you can go on. And so, uh, of course, we want people to join us on that adventure. We want them to experience the fullness of life, um, to understand what it means to have Jesus Lord and Savior, um, both now and right through into eternity. And so, of course, we want to evangelize. We want to mission to those who are outside the kingdom. And so that's how we we've typically used the word mission to explain there are the, those who are outside the kingdom or don't know where they stand with Jesus, who we want to put forward that invite uh, that Jesus puts forward, which is to come uh, to him. And so we want to put that before people and we want to help them understand the gospel and we believe the spirit works in the hearts of people. Uh, some will reject, but many will adopt. And so... Um, got the uh, that invitation will take up that invitation so that's how we use the word mission and then using the word discipleship is what jesus goes on to say teaching them to obey everything i've commanded which is a long term we never quite reach the end of that uh on in our natural life so every christian should be seeking to grow in their knowledge love and obedience to king jesus and so part of discipleship is we've always got somewhere else we can go something else that we can understand a deeper way of expressing our relationship with jesus a, a area of our life that we are not yet obeying jesus in that we need to hand over to jesus repent of and seek to serve so that's a just an ongoing forever i think uh what just you referenced earlier was a conversation we'd had um off air but the I've picked up from the language that others uh, in my YouthWorks team and also other places in Sydney are using the word discipleship. And I heard it in that framework of there's the, the task towards those who are not yet in the kingdom and there's the task towards those who are in the kingdom. So I had those two kind of categories in my head and they were, people uh, were talking about discipleship and I sort of said, oh, yeah, let's just make sure that we don't only think about growing those who are already in the kingdom, but also we don't neglect the outreach into those. And the conversation went like, oh, no, we absolutely mean that when we say discipleship as well. And, and in a back and forth, a long conversation with a few different people, I realised that they were just using one label, but they very firmly had both things in mind. Mm. So they were thinking, as we disciple, we disciple those outside the kingdom into the kingdom. So we walk alongside them, we explain the gospel, we evangelise, we do apologetics, whatever it is they need to understand and invite in. And so that was under this large label of discipleship, as well as growing the disciples. So there was just a miscommunication part of that. I think another reason that sometimes people can focus on one or the other, if they do sort of have those two categories in mind, 
uh, might be about resources. It might be about mm. what they have. And we talked uh, a few episodes, series ago about that, you know, what are you, the, those three interlocking circles of what you're equipped to do, what your, what your area needs, what your, the equipment that you have. So your sweet spot there. Um, sometimes it is the particular vision and passions of the senior pastor. Uh, the, yep. the senior pastor's personality can make a big difference to mm. the things that the church prioritises. So if you've got uh, a, you know, someone in the, in the senior ministry position uh, who just loves evangelism, then that could be driving the entire church. Um, and if you've got someone who is, you know, just loves discipleship, loves teaching the saints, equipping the saints, fueling the saints, walking beside people, then that can also shape the, the vision as well. So... Uh, I think what what we've done in trying to document both of these priorities uh, is to try and offset any um, particular preference that anyone in our congregation might have, whether it be Stu as a senior pastor or otherwise, but we're recognising that because Jesus calls us towards both, we want to keep both in front of us all the time. And so we have these very simple mission discipleship and then the resources required for those two things. Uh, and that's just how we structure our ministries. It's how we do review. It's how we set goals. Um, and that just keeps both in mind all the time. So by structuring it in that way, uh, we're sort of making up for any accidental oversight or any um, imperceived ba- imbalance that we might have. Mm. Okay. You got any thoughts, Stu, on why it would... You're right. Sorry, okay. I was just saying, if you've got any thoughts on um, <laughs> why we might perhaps go one way or the other in terms of discipleship and mission, and, and lose focus on the other. Yeah, yeah. When you started answering asking the question, I started saying, "No, Tim had a good answer. I didn't have anything to add." Oh, sorry. Then, then I was also thinking, actually, yeah, and no, I do have something to add. So I was nodding and shaking my head at the same time. For those of you who are only listening, so Joel's a bit. Discombobulated yeah, by that. Only for a um, minute. Only for a second. Yeah, just for a second. No, I think. Yeah, I think it's like it's a very human thing to do too, isn't it? Like, just to start doing things, and then you keep doing the things you've always been doing, mm. and then you turn around and go, "Oh, actually, maybe I've had blinkers on about this. I might have a bit of tunnel vision." So, you know, if I'm concentrating on driving as fast as I can around the track every lap, and that's all I'm thinking about, I might, I might not be looking at the petrol gauge, or mm. you know, they might, I might. Oh, the turbo have, boost at yeah, the time. Turbo. If it was nineteen eighty eight, would have yeah, been the turbo boost. Yeah. Turbo boost. But yeah, I think in ministry it is it is easy to focus on a narrow set of ministry goals. Um, we can't do everything, so yeah, it's you know silly to try and think that we can do everything. But I suppose what we do at Solis is to think: Well, are, are we setting mission goals and discipleship goals for each year, and are we doing that term by term? And as Tim said, that helps us with our planning of events like Week Away and um, strategies like the Colours of Life. Uh, but yeah, you can stand back in a year and you can have a look at your ministry in a year looking at the goal sets that you've set and think, is is that a broad enough category of goal sets? Uh, the other thing too is if you do do an event and it was originally intended to be an outreach or a mission event, but it actually hasn't seen anyone become Christians for five or six years, then sometimes we don't evaluate it and step back and go oh is this actually reaching the same goal that we wanted which was to see people who don't know jesus come to faith or is it 
maybe it needs a bit more time and it might end up doing that or is it a case of oh we do that because we've always done it so we want to avoid the last category I think mm. yeah I think that's an interesting point just thinking as well another thing that came to mind is depending on the size of the church the size of the staff team and the size of the volunteer teams uh, it's quite easy for those who are in the paid ministry staff to all of their time to be used serving the saints that they currently have um, because people yeah. have needs. The people have things that they're going. The, yeah, your weekend gathering is important. Be preparing well for your preaching is important. Uh, walking beside people in your congregation. So there's a lot of pastoral work you can do and it's very easy to be doing good, worthwhile gospel ministry things that are only looking after those you currently have, which means you're probably doing discipleship really well uh, and you, you know, you're growing your saints, you're walking beside them, you're doing all of the things that you know, senior pastor, senior shepherd should be doing. Uh, but because, you know, again, depending on your resources and the time available to you, it might be that intentionally outward-looking events, programs, conversations, being in the community might get neglected and may not get looked after. So I think that can sometimes happen in, unintentionally. I don't think uh, there's anyone who goes, oh, I'm, I'm not here to do mission. I'm only here to serve mm. the saints. But you know, the ministry life is a busy life and there are lots of demands on your time, whether you're you know, children's, adults, youth, minister, like any, there's lots of things you can be doing. And so... That's another reason to have some sort of structure and some sort of assessment tool, spreadsheet, something that actually helps you keep both on the agenda um, and to realise that there are... And that means you, there are going to be times when you have to say no to some really good, wonderful discipleship things because there are mission things you need to be doing as well if you're going to have to talk in those two terms. Mm, yeah, cool. And speaking of discipleship, uh, we've mentioned a couple of times a week away, mm. uh, which is, if anyone hasn't heard before, that's where, as Sorrel Bible Church, we go away down to the Youth Works campsite down at Watersley, which is near Nowra on the south coast of New South Wales. And we go away for five days together and have uh, Bible talks in the morning and then um, we kind of have discussion groups after that and then we just hang out for the rest of the time. Um, Stu, can we get your reflections on this year's week away that's just finished? Yeah, I think it was really, really good. We were we were challenged this year because the site only holds a certain number of people and up to now in the last 30 years we've always had everybody sleeping on site predominantly mm. and we played around last year with a bit of an idea of having some uh, Airbnbs off site for people that we couldn't fit on site and the local area uh, has a few Airbnbs so the really exciting thing was this year was our biggest week away so far so we had over 250 people I think and we had, I think, seven or eight Airbnbs as a part of that to help fit more people in, which was really lovely. And we had, uh, yeah, a really good mix of different ages, um, people who were retired right down to young people who were just born, a couple mm. of babies in the yep. group as well, <laughs> and everything in between. So it was, it was a really fun week. Um, some people came for the weekend, some people came for the full five days, but increasingly most people who come come for the whole time because they really value it. People take annual leave to come and in a in an era where some of my friends in churches are saying it's getting harder and harder to get people to even spend a day together some churches don't even do a camp anymore they just do a, a day in or something 
uh, even that's hard to get people to like we we don't try and get anyone to come we just as a leadership say we're going on holidays does anybody want to come with us and uh, yeah a lot of people come so it's really good but it, we still only have about half our church coming a week away so yeah it's good to see that people who don't like that kind of thing also feel free not to go so um, yeah but I think it's growing in because it is a diff- bit of a countercultural thing like it's not it's sort of like a family holiday like when you're adults those of us that are listening that are parents you know sometimes you go on holidays and you don't always do things that you want to do like you know you take your kids to sea world or something and you're like yeah cool <laughs> a couple of dolphins that's mad and the kids <laughs> it's like Stu doesn't like sea world very much yeah <laughs> actually i do like sea world that, that, that's more the other events like wet and wild worlds yeah you get wet and wild it's cool oh, i like wet and wild oh you see all these dads walking around with their with their shirts on what do you call those things oh, the rash vest rash vest rash, rash yeah, is, the yeah. old middle-aged rash vest covering up the old form <laughs> middle-aged man form dad bod the dad bod that's a nice way of putting it anyway that's not really you know my idea of a fun fun day out but you look at the delight in your kids faces and you're like this is great yeah you know? so i think week away is a bit like that you know some people go oh it's not really my thing to go away with 250 people but as a family it does so much for us um i think what i say to people is the week away does for the whole church what our individual gatherings have in their meals so what the meals do for the individual gatherings the week away does for the whole church so four times a year our churches six of them come together as one church uh, we come together at easter week away a planning day in christmas but week away is the best one that's the time where everyone from different churches gets to meet each other and become friends and friends friendships start there that They're are good. rekindled at regular points along the way and it's yeah really lovely so yeah that was my impression mm. it was really good Tim, we had um, we could I suppose we could describe as your your big big boss, uh, Mike Dicker. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, not immediately boss? my boss. No, <laughs> yeah. not really. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah he works for YouthWorks as yeah, well. Yeah, he's yes. the principal of YouthWorks, and That's he correct. did. He um, it was we were very blessed to have him come down and do the talks, the Bible talks for us on Revelation. Mm. Any reflections on on that? Uh, what you what stood out for you? Yeah, what stood out to me? What stood out to me was how uncontroversial it seemed to be in the at least in the conversations i had so i was expecting a lot of spicy conversations and people pushing back uh, essentially for those who are listening um mike's take on revelation is it's not a futurist book it's not trying to written in some secret code that is exploring something that will happen in the future but the majority of the book is describing life now uh so that's number one that's one important interpretive framework that it's describing this is what is happening, you know, past, present, future. This is exactly what the world is like. And the other thing is that it's is meant to be understood. It just we happen to be a few hundred years late to be understand the genre. But it wasn't written to be secretive and codish. It was just written in a particular stylistic style that is not something that we are common with today, two thousand years later. So uh, those two. There can be a lot of other interpretations of Revelation, that it's all some sort of secret package that's going to come in the future and you know, there's all sorts of different interpretations there. And I was surprised at how little that seemed to come out in you know, the small group that I was part of, the conversations I had around lunch and dinner, etc. that most people heard uh, Mike explaining in that way and was like, oh, okay, cool. That's really great, um, and just kind of went from there. So that was that was lovely. Um, 
So that was really, really good. The other great thing that I loved was for the years, 30 year six kids, we did the same passages. And so we were looking at Revelation as well. And one of the things I wrote into the curriculum for each day was for them to draw what was going on. And so I started by saying, draw what comes to mind when you think of Jesus. And so some of them <laughs> drew the Christmas story and some drew the Easter story and some drew you know, miracles or stories from Jesus' life. Uh, and we said, oh, okay, that's really cool. And we stuck those all over the wall. And then we got to Revelation chapter 1 and we read the part where you know, Jesus is standing among the seven lampstands and his eyes are burning like fire and he's got bronze feet and he's got a sword coming out of his mouth and there's all these kind of things. I said, all right, well, no, that's weird. None of you drew that picture. Um, and let's, let's now draw that. So they all drew that. And then the, the next few days they drew the lamb with ten horns and eyes all over his body and then they drew something else and they drew the four horsemen. And So I've got this massive collage uh, that I took all pictures of just of the kids interpreting these uh, pictures and drawing what, Revelation describes, but again with that same idea, well this is a, a picture language to understand what's happening now in our world. And I had a great conversation with a family one night as they were just putting their, finishing up in the dining room and their kids were heading to bed. And the boys could remember what they were being talked about and I thought that was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And then we're talking about how some of these images of Jesus and the horsemen and the beasts and etc. are kind of like Pokemon. Uh, and I said, oh, you know, if you saw a Pokemon with heaps of eyes, what would you think? And they go, oh, you can see everything. It knows everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty it's much clever. all that's going on. Um, and if you saw a Pokemon with heaps of horns, what would you think? Oh, it's like massive and powerful and dangerous. I'm like, yeah, that's all that's going on. So just that kind of connection with kids and that for them to understand and for them to understand the picture language. And yeah, that was, that was great joy for mm. me as well. A couple of great examples there of discipleship. I would say. Yeah, yeah, like that's right. That, that's the kind of idea, isn't it? Of especially of week away, is that we just get to spend lots of time with each other and encourage each other and fellowship and and be there together. Uh, Stu, any one one particular memory from week away that stood out for you? Did you? you, no. you I noticed no, you didn't play are. much Risk. Oh, I didn't play year. any Risk. I couldn't get anyone to play Risk with me this year because <laughs> it goes too long. It's a game board game that goes for about three hours. <laughs> And if I, my, ne- my, nema- <laughs> my nemesis, Matt Redman, didn't want to play. <laughs> I always like playing risk with that. He always goes to Africa. It's, I don't know where he's going to go. But anyway, um, come back to the horsemen. Yes. I like to imagine the horsemen as cowboys, Tim. Do you? Well, that's mm. how you would draw it. Mm. You know, like White Earp, beginning of his Vendetta ride, where he yeah. says, tell uh, him I'm coming and hell's coming with me. You know, that kind of yeah. vibe. Oh, no, yeah. I know my westerns just as much as you do. <laughs> Tombstone, 1991 or oh, two. Is that what it's from? Oh, sorry, I haven't seen Tombstone. It's a great movie. Yeah, but you would you uh, would use he a uses biblical a language to invoke his vendetta ride. Yeah. Oh, does he? Revelation. Oh, no wonder you like it then. That makes sense. But that's you would draw the four horsemen as Just like Western. I think inspired. they'd all have cowboy hats. Yes. <laughs> Looks like sounds like three amigos. <laughs> <laughs> four horsemen, <laughs> three amigos. Yeah. You'd be surprised how many. Uh, Western movies and literature invoke that imagery of the four horsemen. Mm. Uh, memory from week away? Yeah, I, my memory from week away. I should, do sorry, I didn't try. But just the four horsemen thing talking about is that a lot of people think about that. Mike talked about a lot of people think the four horsemen is in the future, but he yeah. was also saying it's also describing the present yeah. as well and how yeah. the world is at, at the moment. Yeah, these and are the realities that exist in our world. Yeah, like famine, and death, disease, and it's corrupted by sin. And yeah, yeah. I thought that was a, that was stuck in my mind. But yeah. Yeah, sorry, your memory. Oh, I mean, I, I think, yeah, Mike, Mike's um, preaching on Revelation was spot on. It was great. It was from an amillennialist point of view. 
And uh, the great memory for me was from a week away is that there were people who had probably a different framework to Mike that were listening to the talks who could be described more as pre-millennialists, for example, and they were seeing more of it as futurists rather than the ending chapters of the book of, you know, um, heaven coming down to to earth at the end of the age and all that sort of stuff. Um, The big memory for me was it was really nice to see people from a pre-millennialist point of view who are waiting for a rapture and uh, might read books like Left Behind and be into that more of that kind of American view of Revelation actually being in conversation with Mike and others in really nice, gracious ways. And I think in a world that when people disagree where things get really fraught and people get really cranky, it's just really nice to see Christians sitting under the authority of God's word with the Bible open together trying to work out what it has to say together. That really warmed my heart. And doing that in a really relaxed environment, you know, sitting on the grass in the sun with a cup of tea, talking about Jesus with the Bible open with a friend, even disagreeing with that person, that's really, really special. Yeah, again, another example of discipleship in in uh, in effect yeah, by just yeah. talking about different perspectives yeah, that they have yeah. on the Bible. And, and, you know, having an extended period of time to be thinking about the Bible every day for yeah. a whole week and then sharing the conversations with other people around that is really valuable discipleship. Yeah. So I think as well as being good for the community aspect that I said before, I think it's a really good way to grow in your maturity as a Christian by sitting down for a whole week with other Christians pouring over God's word together and going through a whole book together. It's really cool. Mm. Yeah. yeah, And you will get different views and interactions about different things. It's good. I was a little bit frustrated on a week away because I got sick just before. Yeah, you did. And uh, that was a, a very heavy flu. <laughs> you really got hammered. Yeah. Really? I really did. Yeah. I spent three days in bed. That's one yeah. of the worst illnesses yeah. I've ever had. Yeah. Anyway, it's just, I, I spent a lot of week away trying to get feel better (laughs) so it was a little bit harder you waited to get better before you came there oh that was the yeah i definitely thought we'd do that my son and i stayed back an extra day just to make sure but um we uh uh, i was frustrated that i couldn't i felt like i couldn't participate in that as much like that community aspect as much as i usually do which is frustrating for me well i really like how we have one talk and then those discussion groups and then we just Mm. hang out and there's a lot of free time where people do their own thing but on most nights there's something going on and yeah. this year another favourite memory was we had um, a bunch of um, yeah. Gen Ys probably or late Gen Xs maybe who yeah, wanted to do a 90s yeah. Yeah, yeah wanted to do a 90s night and they <laughs> did all these cover they, they were a cover band for the night and mm. played Nirvana and Pearl Jam and mm. all this you know cool stuff that was really fun so there's a lot of fun as well as depth in, in the week away it's really mm. good yeah. yeah well let's switch our focus to um we talked about week away being an example of discipleship. Yep. Uh, focus, switch our focus to mission now and colours of life. And yep. I'm going to, before we, I reckon I'm going to let you go on it, Stu, but then before we do that, Tim, can you do the colours of life in order? In order, I certainly can. So we've got um, green is creation yes. and that God made everything and he particularly made humans in his image. And then we have talked about uh, white or light or uh, clear is kind of like we're trying to play around with that Um, but it's that we were made in perfect relationship with God part of the imageness is that we're made in perfect relationship to to walk with him to obey him to uh, yeah to be in perfect friendship with him and because of that we can see him clearly and we can see life clearly and then the the next one then is that sin comes into the world so Genesis 3 and because of sin our vision of God and the good life 
that he brings is clouded because there's a break in that relationship. And so we have previously talked about that as being uh, black or darkness, but we're starting to talk about that as grey and being a grey zone. That it, And one of the nice changes there is that we're thinking that because it, when you the, – the break in relationship doesn't completely remove God from creation or from our lives. There is still goodness and beauty and truth to be found, but it's clouded, it's imperfect, and our – uh, relationship with God is broken and needs to be fixed. And so then, so we've got green, then white or clear, then grey or you know distorted, blurred, and then red is the blood of Jesus, uh, which is his death and resurrection is what saves us from sin, gets us back into relationship with God. And then we talk about yellow being the colour of glory. It's the the life in Christ we have now through the Holy Spirit, and that will never end. It will go into mm. new creation. So black. White, grey, red, yellow. Four marks, Stu. Mm. Yeah, sounds good. All right, ding well. All right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did well. I uh, think you. Because um, uh, that's based on the Jesus beads, isn't it? Yeah, Stu? yeah. And yeah. that's and that's what uh, back in the day, uh, Sorrowal we used that as a motif. Yeah. Um, yeah to sure. kind of uh, use it as a mission tool. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And that's kind of where we've taken off with the, what we're calling colours of life. Yeah. Uh, do you want to? Help us delve into that a little bit more. Yeah, so the, the big change is we used to use white and black, as Tim said, but um, there there are a number of uh, people who have uh, quite rightly pointed out that it could be misunderstood that, you know, it's green, God created the world, white, he made everything good, black, sin was bad, red, Jesus' blood, yellow, we get to live in heaven forever. But the problem with that is it could be, could be misunderstood in racial terms that there's white is good and black is bad so um, we think that it actually works even better to say that there's a there's a a white and a gray i think that works really well i'm really excited about it actually because we go from green is creation white is the light of god's word that we were made to live in a relationship with him and know his way Mm. because god spoke to adam and eve we they could see the way forward the grey zone is when we sin against God, we can't see his way anymore and we live our own way. And I think that's really good. Jesus' blood, well, Jesus is God and he came to die on the cross and save us from our sin and show us how to live God's way again, which is the yellow bead. The Holy Spirit teaches us to love God uh, the way Jesus loved God and helps us to love each other and live in his way forever so we can see his way again. So I, I kind of like that. I like the idea of light and, and, and grey zone. works really well. But the other thing I like about it is... Um, We've given it a good rest before we've reintroduced it in Soul Revival Church after we used it quite extensively at Soul Revival Youth because we wanted to just uh, introduce different elements of Soul Revival a bit more gradually. And the thing I love about this tool is we've looked around at a lot of the evangelism tools that are around at the moment and while we are stoked on heaps of them and we do use some of them and there's people in our church that sometimes ask, oh, can we you know, run a course on this or run we go yeah go for it knock yourselves out uh it's great if you want to ask some people over to your place and go through uh that course in fact ride uh gathering is going through one of those courses at the moment uh so that's exciting but what we wanted to do this term for soul revival church is re-establish the jesus beads as as a major missional tool in our church because what I like about the Jesus beads is it starts with the individual and it gives an individual Christian confidence that they know the gospel and that they can share the gospel. The other thing is if they do wear some of those colours on their wrist or on their shoes or whatever, wherever they want to put some beads or around their neck or whatever, 
people will often ask, oh, what's that? Um, I don't often see those colours. Um, and when they are, it's very rare that you get someone asking you what's the gospel. So all the other tools are based on people inviting people to come and listen to a gospel presentation, whereas this gospel presentation can happen in a coffee shop or on a train. Yeah. And it can be really short because we just said the whole gospel in five sentences, but it also can unpack a whole heap of richness. Like a lot of people have a lot of um, problem with what is my identity these days. Identity is a big thing. So to start with, well, we've all been made in the image of God um, and we were made to, to live in his way and be in a relationship with him but we've lost our way in the grey zone, but Jesus came to give us a new identity in him. So we become Christians. That's our new identity. So that's kind of cool. So different people will take different things out of that gospel message. It's also a telling of the story of the Bible, which I really like. Mm. Uh, we also like to say in the yellow bead that G the Holy Spirit teaches us to love God together, not just as individuals, mm. but as individuals and in the church. Um, in a Jesus-shaped community that looks forward to heaven. And uh, the other thing I really like about it is it goes from a very simple idea that a kid can share with another kid to something that can be really quite complex that a university student can use to unpack the story with someone as well. So, yeah, it's easy to give to an individual person for lots of people to start going, yeah, I can, I can be an evangelist, I can actually share the gospel. Uh, so people can wear around their wrist and people uh, might go, oh, I haven't seen those colours before. And you can just quickly say, oh, if they say, oh, what are they? Oh, well, this is just some beads. We call them Jesus beads from our church. And, and sometimes that's it. And if someone doesn't want to know any more than that, that's actually okay. You know, but it, they've asked and they've seen that you're a Christian. It's a nice way to do that. But then if they do say, oh, what do the colours mean? You can say, well, green is creation, white is light, grey is the grey zone, red is Jesus' blood, yellow is glory. If we trust in Jesus or something, you know with your own words to explain that and then people go oh okay and that can be it so it takes pressure off a christian feeling like they have to go to that awkward moment where the person starts not to be interested but the great thing about this is it goes the other way instead of asking someone to a course and trying to get them to come you can share the story with them briefly so that they actually if they're interested they can go oh so you actually believe that yeah i do actually what you believe jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead yep 100 percent. Mm. and then you can talk about that or you can say do you really believe God made everything? Are you one of those crazy people? And you can talk about that. So it's actually a really nice tool. And I think we've just spent a couple of years thinking about it. And we've got a book we've written at Soul Revival Church for our discipleship called The Commitment. Or, sorry, called Commitment. And that goes through the values of a Christian. It's like a catechism, I suppose, sort of like that. And this is going to be able to be generated into a book. And we're going to call that Colours of Life. And the book that's the discipleship tool, really can be used by a couple of people sitting in a cafe talking to each other about Jesus. This one actually helps you to say, well, if you're interested, you know, we could have a coffee and I could go through that green bead for you and understand, oh, yeah, I'll give that a go. So I think it's very relational and it's really easy to use. And a lot of Christians are a bit nervous on how to share the gospel. A lot of Christians are going, I don't know what the gospel is. I don't even want to try and tell someone. Hopefully the ministers will do it. And most of our courses, you bring someone along so the professional person tells them the gospel. This one's great because it actually helps people to share the gospel no matter how mm. long they've been a Christian. Yeah, I mean, you were saying there that the, the simplicity of it, that's the aim, is to give people confidence to share the gospel. Um, Tim, I know that you used to wear them on your skate shoes, for example, when you were back in the day. <laughs> uh, I think I had either a bracelet or a necklace. But how... Um, 
in terms of yourself, did that did that help you be able to share the gospel? You think to other people, because like, that's what we're aiming for with this. It's one of our goals for twenty thirty as well, is to help people be, um, you know, be confident in their personal evangelism. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I can't recall too many specific conversations where someone said, "Oh, what's those colours? What do they mean?" But <coughs> they were um, something that we had on us all the time. And what it's certainly done for me is it has captivated just a very simple articulation of the gospel. So. Now, it's been years since I've worn Jesus' beads, Jesus' colours uh, as a bracelet or a necklace or anything mm. like that, but that simple formula of here is the gospel, here's what the biblical story is, yeah, that very much shapes my understanding of the world and conversations. And so when people do ask, you know, well, what is a Christian? What does that actually mean? You know, talk about it all the time in those kind of categories. And the, I mean, the main space I'm doing that is in children's ministry. And so SRE is a good example uh, in our schools where you know, SRE is about going into public schools and as a Christian saying this is what Christians believe and for the students to go, oh, okay, that's interesting. And so uh, part of what I do is to tell, teach the five colours uh, because then in the same way as we can learn, if you know five colours, you know the whole story of the Bible. That's what I say to kids as well. And I often you know, hold up my Bible, which is you know, a massive book of you know, 1,300 pages. Yeah, and I say, really cool. <laughs> he, he, there's lots of detail here, but actually if you just can remember five colours, then you know the basic story and everything else is just mm. detail. Yeah. Uh, and so we then talk about, okay, what is that basic story that God made us, he made us to be his friends, sin breaks that relationship, Jesus restores that relationship, and we can have friendship with him now that lasts into eternity. Mm-hmm. Super simple. Uh, and so we will do that regularly um, in scripture and elsewhere. And yeah, when I have conversations outside of that, then again, it's just a really simple framework that's just deep mm-hmm. in my mind uh, as a way of articulating what is a Christian. And Everything else is detail. If someone wants to go, oh, okay, weirdo, and then walk away, that's cool. <laughs> They've heard the very simple story. And someone goes, tell me more about that. I go, okay, well, let's go t- mm. more depth on that. Mm. So, yeah, it, it's, a, it's quick, it's simple, um, and allows the, the other person to then direct where you're going to go next mm. with that. I like that you said that no one actually asked you what they mean. So even if someone doesn't ask you what it means, you still took value from it knowing that, Oh, it reminds me of what the gospel is when I am telling people about it. Mm. Yeah, it's good. And you've also mentioned that we're going to kind of launch this mm. uh, in the coming weeks. Mm. What do you think the reaction is going to be at church? Because it is really just about helping people tell the gospel. Yeah. Isn't it? I think if we just say to people, if you've got capacity to wear this and you'd like to, do it. And if you don't want to, it's okay. And because we're, you know, some people might go, oh, I've got a better model of evangelism that I like to use. We'll say, yeah, great, just go for it. But as a church, I think it's good for a church to say to the congregation, we believe in you, we, we trust you to share the gospel with, mm-hmm. with people and we want to encourage you that anyone can. I, I think sometimes church is a bit like a soccer team and people think the only evangelists are like the strikers. There's just two, you know, two people in the whole church who can tell people about Jesus and I'm just a fullback. You know, I, I'll pass the ball up the front so the strikers can score a goal or you know so the evangelists can share the, the gospel with someone um, but I've never seen a soul saved myself um, never seen someone as their soul is saved I've trusted someone else will do that but my answer to that is not that uh, everyone has to do evangelism but my answer to that is everyone can do evangelism mm. and I think that's something I'd like to get across in the launch that uh, 
you know, most of the time you see in a soccer game, the strikers score goals. But every now and again, the midfielders score goals. Sometimes one of the defenders scores goals. But sometimes the most exciting goals is when the goalkeeper's got a, a, a rush of blood and run up into the front and when there's been a corner, jumps up in the air and heads a ball in the back of the net with his gloves still on. Like, that's unreal. Mm. And so my thought is, yeah, it's not about we all should do evangelism, it's we all can. And we've all given, been given um, God's Holy Spirit. We've got the Word of God. This helps to just clarify the gospel so people feel confident that they've got a pretty clear gospel message that they can share with someone. You know, we'll have verses there for them if they want to take people to particular passages. And... Uh, yeah, the great thing about this tool is it's really empowering. It's really encouraging for people to enjoy partnering with Jesus as he changes everything, as he changes the world by one person at a time. I reckon that's cool. Mm. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking of is the, the more people who wear the colours, uh, the more curiosity it elicits from other people. Because they see it a few times. They see it a few times, yeah. And I was just thinking about this just a couple of months ago. All of a sudden I became aware of this brand uh, that I'm like, I've never seen this brand before and all, now I'm seeing it everywhere. And I had a conversation with you, Joe. Yeah. I said, what is, what is this? Uh, I think White Fox, is it? Yeah. I'm like, what is this brand? Like, all of a sudden it feels like, you know, every, particularly females between 15 and 45 and also, also yeah they're mums yeah yeah they're <laughs> well, like yeah, all wearing <coughs> this brand and mm. it seems to have popped out of nowhere like oversized jumpers with big white fox yeah. on them yeah. Yeah, yeah and and because i'd seen it so much it sparked my curiosity mm. and joel and i happened to be in a conversation about uh week away t-shirt designs and so i was like oh yeah actually talking about t-shirt designs What's going on here? And because Joel is far more on the pulse of you know, <laughs> current trends than I am, uh, he was able to be the shock absorber to this old man over here. <laughs> and uh, say, oh, that's because there's a particular influencer that she's a local yeah, to the Shire. Yeah, in the Shire, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. It makes sense that all of a sudden this has exploded, particularly mm. in the Shire, particularly for young women, you know, because that's, that's where it's come from. It's the same thing. And, and we saw the same thing in the 90s when particularly, you know, you got a couple of uh, high schools in our area where a lot of the crew who were coming to Soul Revival Youth were wearing these colours and all of a sudden, you know, you're a high schooler uh, and you look around and there's those colours again. Someone in my maths class was wearing those colours. Mm. There's three people over there, they were all wearing those colours. What is going on with these colours? And so the more you see it, the more curiosity. So this might be an encouragement for those who are listening and don't feel that they could be bold enough to have that conversation with others. You representing the colours, you also being in the coffee shop, you also doing your groceries, you also filling up your petrol and having those colours is going to just raise the curiosity of people. You may not be the person that someone asks, but if you have sort of helped, uh, it promotes really gross, but like if you've helped uh, communicate... Let's just promote the gospel. Well, yeah, I suppose promoting the gospel does kind of work, but um, but not in a you know, crass marketing way, but if you're... If you're if you have helped influence because there's this particular semiotic, this symbol that people can recognise and go, I keep seeing that places. What mm. is that? Yeah. That will help raise the, the communication that people will have. Yeah. Um, and so there's a way in which we can join in with that. Of course, the whole point of making it simple is that anyone can. If you do happen to be the person who stopped in the petrol station and said, you are the fourth person I've seen today with What's those colours on. on. What colors? is going on with those colours? You can say, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, yeah, I just think that's, that's an important part of uh, having you know, definable symbols and semiotics as well, which is really powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
I, I mean, I can't. I think I. I didn't put it on my shoes, and I was like, "How do people put it on their shoes?" Because then you have to unlace the entire shoe to put them on. It takes two minutes, Joel. It's does not it? that hard. <coughs> what to unlace it to and unlace lace it back up? Yeah, yeah it doesn't take really doesn't two take minutes. Oh, all right. Well, maybe I'll have to try it then. <laughs> Um, just before we wrap up the episode, Stu, we'd be remiss to ask you any any extra um, uh, thoughts from your PhD. Any more than what we've been intellectually stouching on? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been writing a fair bit. I've written another 5,000 words, which mm. is really exciting. So I'm up to about 12,000 now. So getting there slowly. Got another about 70,000 words to go. <laughs> um, the problem is the more I write, the more interviews I need. So I'm going to oh, need yeah. some more interviews and that's going to wait, make it longer. But no, uh, highlights of the last week, probably the fact that uh, I'm excited by the idea of seeing something happening in the world and instead of just watching it happen, just ask the question, why is that happening? Mm. And then asking the question, well, if it's happening for that particular reason or maybe a few reasons, what does the Bible say about that? And do I have a different response or the same response? And I find that a really helpful model to go through. It's from a guy called uh, Richard Osmar who has a thing called the pastoral cycle. And so he asks those questions of anything. And so I'm doing that in my PhD. So I'm sort of looking at Soul Revival according to four decades now, the first, the second were as a youth ministry, the third and now the fourth decade that we're in now is as a church plant. But I'm breaking each of those decades up into those four questions. Mm. And at the beginning of each decade, I'm asking the question, what's happening? And why was it happening? And what does the Bible say? And what was Soul Revival's response? So I think that's really fun. I'm really enjoying doing it. Yeah, cool. That's really good. Well, we look forward to keep hearing about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one well, maybe we'll have one episode where it's just when you that. finish. It's Stu's yeah. PhD. We just read <laughs> Stu's PhD. Yeah, yeah. Day before I retire. Yeah, it's like an it's like, a, it's like an audio book. <laughs> I could read it. Myself. Chapter one. <laughs> Soul I revival. Call, I could call it. Not spared. Not spared. I don't know. Didn't Harry call his book spare? Harry who? I don't know. What was oh, Prince Harry. Prince Harry. Oh, yeah. Prince Harry. Because he's despair. Yeah, it doesn't actually work. Air and despair. Not spared. Doesn't no, really no, work. No, I don't think it really works. You know there's more books than what Prince Harry's written, right? <laughs> he wrote a book. Yeah, but there's more well, than how many books he, he read, though. That's what I He had an interview <laughs> with someone who wrote a book. <laughs> wow. Cool. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> at some point, we might do the Shockers of a book, which we have written the first the first. Yeah, we have. Yeah, I think we will. And published it, though. Yeah, I think we should publish it. Mm. Yeah, I think we should. We've got a few good chapters. Yeah, any if there's any uh, publishers listening, come get in contact with us. If you want to join the Kickstarter campaign, you go to www.notspared.com. Uh, <laughs> I really wish you had not brought that up because then be where's the Kickstarter? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> made the Kickstarter. <laughs> Jeez, there's no Kickstarter. <laughs> no, no there's no sorry. Kickstarter. However, we have kickstarted the podcast again. And uh, my name is Joel, and it's been wonderful to have you along with us. If you have any questions or thoughts about anything we've talked about today, you can email, email me at joel at shoggersorbat.com.au. And uh, thank you again also to Eck, who always edits and puts together our podcast for us, publishes and do, does all that kind of thing for us. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Stu. 
for being on. Thank you, Joel. Thank you very much. And thank you, Tim. Thank and you your Joel. shirt. Thanks for your shirt. Thanks for your jumper. Coral. One way. <laughs> One way. <laughs>